Mike, check, Mike. Check, we're here, man. Combo Nation. <laughs> Rate, review, and punch down on that subscribe button, man. What up? What up? What up, everyone? Welcome to episode 295 of Combo's Court, and I am Combo. Share this episode. That's right. Share this episode. Share it with a friend. Share it on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn. Share it on your Instagram stories and tag me at 12combo on Instagram. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. You could catch me on Twitter at Combo's Court. Same name as the podcast. Today's show, Keandre of Hoop Intellect joins in to talk draft, summer league, and more. A fantastic conversation with Keandre. If you watch draft content on YouTube, you've probably seen some of Keandre's videos. That's right, Hoop Intellect. Go subscribe to Hoop Intellect on YouTube. Can't wait for you all to hear this conversation. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. Andre of Hoop Intellect, welcome to Combos Court, man. How are you feeling today? I'm feeling good. I appreciate you for having me on the show. You know, just just working on videos, doing what we usually do. For sure. You're on here by popular demand, man. Whenever I say who, who's a guest that they want to hear on Combos Court, they always mention Keandre, so it's good to have you on. <laughs> yeah, see, I see the, the tags all the time, so <laughs> appreciate you having me. Most definitely. How was Vegas for you, man? You know, I was out there. Um, I really wanted to ask you, how was it for you? And what kind of value do you think it brings you to watch these prospects? Well, they're not prospects anymore. They're, they're rookies and they're players in the league. Um, watching them in person. Like one thing I noticed that I couldn't really see on film is how engaged, like this is an example, like Jalen Green is on defense, even though it's not his strong suit. That's something you really can't see on the film. What are some things that you could notice in person that you really can't see on film? Yeah, so I think one of the biggest things that you just immediately notice is like the size in, in certain players. So the one that caught my eye first, I think, was Killian Hayes. Not that this is really, um, you know, indicative of his performance or anything, but he is a lot bigger in person than, than I thought he was, you know, on film. Jalen Suggs is another one. Um, that's kind of the thing that you just take away immediately. Other than that, you know, if you get a really up close look, which you can in Vegas, um, just the way things are set up, you can sit as close as you, as you really want. Um, you know, you can, you can kind of see, get an inside look at, um, what's going on on the benches, you know, the body language or some things, if somebody misses a pass, how are they reacting? You know, there's just relation, you know, if, if people who have played basketball before, you know, these are kind of just things that, that go on you know, during the game, but just being able to see, you know, how Bull Bull is reacting or how he, how engaged he is defensively or, you know, how his coaches are interacting with him and sort of give you an end, uh, an idea of maybe what he needs to work on, you know, further after some things happen on the court. So those are just kind of a, a few things that you get to look at in Vegas and you just get a, you know, really up close look at these prospects you've been talking about for the last, you know, nine months or whatever. You mentioned Bo Bo, man. He's always fun to watch, especially in a setting like that. Yeah, for sure. You know, Bo Bo is somebody, so I'm from Kansas. So 
I actually got to see him play in a tournament for the first time when he was like 15. He's a year younger than me um, in school. So, uh, yeah, he pre- he pretty much has the same game as now as he did then. Um, True. He's, you know, he's just he's grown a little bit, you know, added to his skills. But, yeah, he's he's somebody who's really fun to watch, especially in person. Yeah, most definitely. Top five guys really played as advertised, right? Yeah, pretty much. You know, there could have went a lot of different ways, but that's pretty much how how it went. Yeah. Any second round picks really impressed you out there? Uh, Sharif Cooper comes to mind. BJ Boston played pretty well out there. Any second round picks that you really thought impressed you? Yeah, those two for sure. Um, You know, I think everybody who who followed the draft was really surprised that they even fell to, you know, 48th and and 51. So maybe their performances weren't as shocking to, to, you know, some of us who have been, you know, watching them the entire year, but for second round picks, they performed a lot better than you would normally expect. If they were, you know, somebody from a small school and then they had those type of performances, then they might turn heads a little bit more. But, you know, given that the, the expectations they already had coming in, it, it was just a little bit different. Most definitely. You know, I've heard before that Danny Ainge, when he was with the Celtics, I guess he is still there in some capacity. He used to tell um, coaches, management, don't pay attention to the media. Don't pay attention to the blogs. Don't pay attention to the videos. Do you feel that videos, mocks, boards have value for teams or it always, I mean, it usually is best to go with your gut. What do you think is best served when it comes to teams? Yeah. So if I was, if I was within a team, I think I would probably try to block all that out. I think it just makes sense to, you know, go with who you have here, you know, work as this team and just kind of keep things, you know, on the straight and narrow in in that perspective, um, just so you don't, get too much noise going on in terms of like what your direction is. But, you know, I think there's a lot of people outside of, you know, teams, you know, people in our space who make do a lot of great things, make a lot of great content, um, bring up great points that maybe aren't necessarily being brought up in those circles. So, I mean, the information is out there if they, you know, if those people were, you know, open to use it. But, you know, I think it makes sense for them to, you know, kind of keep a close, close house in that way. Most definitely. It seems like some of the teams did not listen to box and boards and videos. I mean, yeah. the Josh Primo to the Spurs comes to mind. Josh Giddy comes to mind. Even Kaminga, because I think that they kind of didn't listen to the noise and just went with who they felt was the best prospect for them. And it seems to be working out at this point. Yeah, I think, you know, always an organization like the Spurs is never going to listen to what anybody else is doing. That's how they got, you know, Parker and Ginobili back in the day. So they're they're always you know doing things a little bit unconventional uh you look at memphis taking santi aldama 30th i mean i feel like that was kind of a probably the biggest shock to me of the entire draft so you know a lot of teams you know just do what they feel like doing yeah i feel like memphis always just takes good basketball players like they're, they're not swinging for the fences usually for sure i think if that was a different team um maybe in a a worse situation, we might have looked at it a certain way. He didn't perform great at summer league, so that's not encouraging, you know, for their, right. for their case. But um, if it was a different team, we might look at that pick a little bit different. I think you have a little more confidence just given his versatility. Um, you know, he was in the Patriot League. They had a really weird season playing teams like on back-to-backs and everything. So um, you just kind of see how that goes um, in his development going forward. Most definitely. How much do you play 2K, Keandre? Yeah, I I used to play 2K a lot. Um, I still play it 
quite a bit, but you know, just given what I do, it just kind of takes, it's just a lot of time. Um, I kind of, I kind of use it sometimes to, you know, just as a distraction, just to get away from things, but yeah, I'm a big, big 2k guy. So basketball is the distraction from basketball. Pretty much basketball <laughs> is a distraction from basketball in, in every, in every way. All right. So I have to ask you this 2k question. 2K has LeBron, Giannis, Steph, and Kevin Durant at 96. I first heard about Kevin Durant at 96. It didn't really make sense. But then when that's the highest grade that anybody got, I mean, he was tied for with a few people. But I guess it makes sense somewhat if he got the highest grade out of everybody tied with a few people. So is there anybody that you would have a little bit higher in that group than the other guys? Um, You know, I'm I'm really fine with it. I think. You know, they have the right people in the right spots, at least at the top. You know, I wouldn't be mad if they put KD and Giannis a little bit higher, just given, you know, their performances. You feel like KD put on the best performance, the best player in the world. But then you also have Giannis, who just won finals, finals MVP, put up 50 in, in the in the clinching game. So, um, but, you know, 2K kind of goes in a different direction. Um, and they always change their rating system, like every year it feels like. So <clears throat> back 2K13 or whatever, LeBron was 99, no question. We're not talking about it at all. But now it's like, not that he's that same player back then, but, you know, they kind of changed their rating system where it's like an all-time thing, like, oh, Katie's a 96 because he's not as good as 9901 Shaq. Kind of gets confusing. People start, you know, it starts buzz. Or if, if you know, Devin Booker ends up at 89 or something like that, they don't really explain their, their logic very well. Yeah, I mean, look, KD is – He's 99 when he's in the playoffs usually or in the finals. Um, if you had to super nitpick about KD, you could say maybe that he doesn't set the table like a Luka or a LeBron. But besides that, there's nothing that you could find that doesn't make him a 99. Yeah, for sure. You know, I, it just, you know, it's just kind of a, a year by year thing. It seems like with them, I mean, KD super complete player. I think that's a bigger conversation. Like, most of the like the elite elite guys can do everything pretty well. Like when we're talking That's like all timers, they can do just because they don't they might not show it every every game. Like the reason they have the ball so much is because they are, you know, at least solid to good at, at all these different things. So Yeah, you basically have to split hairs and nitpick when you get to that level yeah. of rating players. You know, it, it must be hard to rate LeBron because you don't know how you're gonna project him to come back because <laughs> I mean, he is the best player in the league if he's in pretty good health and he didn't decline much, you know? So it's just a hard rating. Yeah. LeBron, it's a hard rating. It's hard for people to talk about and accurately, like, place him among the league's best at this point. I feel like people have kind of been waiting on his his decline the last yeah. – even even going back to, like, 2018 when that, that Cavs team had a lot of turmoil. They almost lost in the first round to the Pacers and all that. Um, that's when you first started hearing that LeBron watched stuff. Then he responded with, like, one of the greatest playoff performances ever. But, you know, looking now, he was one of he was the one of the leading MVP candidates before he got hurt. Lakers were, you know, looking like that championship team again. He just won the finals less than a year ago. But now he's, you know, washed or he lost in the first round, you know, even though the injuries, AD is out and everything. So it's kind of just a big a big thing around LeBron just because he is LeBron. Here's a tough question. We mentioned KD. We mentioned LeBron and full health of both teams. Who do you think wins in a seven game series between the Lakers and the Nets? I got to see it. 
right now I'm going with the Nets just because we have seen most of it. Um, you know, on the court, it fits better a little bit, you know, more basketball-wise with KD, Harden, and Kyrie rather than, you know, Westbrook, LeBron, and AD. But, you know, when we see the Lakers come out, I'm I'm pretty confident that they're going to be able to put stuff together that that makes for a contending, a title contending team. So right now I'd go with the Nets, but that could easily change pretty, pretty quickly. And the Nets got Cam Thomas. So, you know, (laughs) (laughs) for sure. All right. When do you start with the 2022 NBA draft? Have you started getting things together? Are we going to see some videos? Yeah. So I have basically kind of, just started getting back into, you know, putting together this, this board for next year, just one of those way too early boards. The difference between this class and the last one is the last one I had a lot more information about Mm -hmm. just kind of prior to, you know, you got guys like Jalen Green, even the Josh Christopher, um, Sharif Cooper, Jalen Johnson, like Kate, obviously, who we had seen on social media, just kind of everywhere. They had the, the last, their senior years of, um, the EYBL, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. This class, we didn't get that. So that whole entire time I was doing that 2020 draft, um, preparing for that, you know, the Lamelo Anthony Edwards. So we kind of missed a little bit of time that I would have been putting into, you know, looking at the guys like, uh, you know, Jabari Walker or, or uh, you know, uh, Jalen Duran or somebody like yeah. that who are really good players, you know, potential lottery type of uh, prospects, but I just haven't been able to watch as much. But sometime in the next week, I will have a, a 2022 board or video out um, for for everybody. I know people have been asking about it for like the last three months, but I just want to get everything situated. Wow, the last three months. They've been on it for a while. Yeah, you know, <laughs> that's what I think some people were expecting the same thing as last year, just because covid hit so we didn't have any basketball until the bubble started up and i kind of got bored of doing those prospect videos and i was like you know what might as well just do a 2021 board throwing talk about k Jalen green and all them just because it was a little bit more more fun than than the lamello and anthony edwards at that point in time just because we've been doing it so long but yeah it's just a little different this year is check clearly number one to you chet is in my top three, I think uh, Paolo out of Duke, he yeah. is, he's my number one guy, you know, right now, just 6'10", what he can do with the ball, versatility. Um, but, you know, Chet is definitely in the conversation. And all that is pretty fluid at this point. I think there's a little bit of a tier towards the top, but, you know, I'm just going to wait until I get to see everybody in these new situations. Um, last year, I felt like it was a little different also. Because coming in, you know, we knew, I, I feel like I knew Cade, Jalen Green, uh, Evan Mobley, and Jonathan Kaminga were going to be in that top four number one pick mix. Yeah. Um, that kind of was the the, uh, the case throughout the year. You know, Kaminga fell a little bit, but that was really the case. This class, I'm not so sure. I'm not as confident. Yeah. Uh, you were really high on Bones Highland, so was I. I think he's going to come in and contribute right away, don't you? Yeah, for sure. You know, playing next to Jokic makes things a lot easier, too. And I felt like he should have got more consideration for his Vegas performance because, you know, mid-major dude comes into the summer league, even off of those COVID, you know, issues that they had early on. Steps right into Vegas, you know, putting up 20 and and 5 on good shooting splits. So 
I'm ready to see what he can do. I love his energy. I love his, you know, passion for the game. Yeah, at one point, I think he wasn't even on a lot of mock drafts. Like, it wasn't even that long ago, right? Yeah, before the combine, ESPN had him ranked 66th. So, oh wow, that was that was crazy. I actually was had a reaction because I don't like look at a lot of stuff during the year. I just kind of try to keep my my stuff narrow and then talk to the people that you know I know we can have a good conversation with with explanation on where they rank them. Um, so that was that was kind of shocking. But after the combine, you know, into the workouts, he he really boosted his stock. Were you surprised Scotty Barnes went fourth? <sighs> Yeah, I was pretty surprised, but there were so many rumors about it the, mm. the week prior. I kind of had prepared myself for that. But just looking at their roster roster with Siakam and, and then Anobi already there, it, it was it was kind of a shock, especially with Kyle Lowry leaving. You thought Jalen Suggs would just plug in next to Fred and they'll go from there. But they went with the, the higher upside pick. And so far through summer league, it's, it's looking good. Yeah, it looks like that's another team that really didn't listen to the mocks and to the boards yeah, sure. and to the videos, they just did what they wanted to do. And, um, you know, I was really high on Scotty Barnes and Masai is obviously high on him. And I think it's a great fit. And I really like Delano too, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought that, you know, just given he's Canadian, I felt like that was a potential yeah. handy spot for him because his stock wasn't necessary. You know, it was anywhere from late rounds, uh, late parts of the second round to undrafted. And, you know, Toronto had both those picks in the late, in the late second and, Thought that was a, a landing spot for him. He's got a, you know, he's got some work to do as a shooter and everything. But yeah, his, his activity everywhere and his playmaking ability is really enticing for a prospect. Uh, before we get out of here, I wanted to ask you. You know, you've been making videos for a while now. Why did you land on the draft? Because I feel like it's a niche. I like covering it. It's not exclusively what we cover on this podcast, but I like covering it because. Talking about what happened in the past is cool, but kind of projecting what's going to be, I think is really, really cool. Is that why you fell on it? And yeah, just speak to that if you can. Yeah, so I think it was a little bit of that, you know, just being able to project things towards the future and inform people about who's who's coming up next. But also, I just was been like a fan of the draft for a long time. I used to write a lot on medium.com. So I would do a lot of draft stuff on there before I ever put those prospect videos together and did those on the channel. So I think it just became something that the people really liked. So I just kind of ran with it, but going forward, we will do, you know, some different type of, of content, especially in the time leading up to the college basketball season. And this kind of dead period we have now, it gives me a, a lot of freedom to do, you know, some different things. Cause I feel like some people just think if you talk about the draft, that's all, you know, it's like, no, it's basketball, you know, I, right. right. I want to see them actually play in the NBA. You know, that's yeah. that's what I like. But, you know. You mentioned NC2A. Um, you know, obviously there's a lot of different paths now besides the NCAA. But what skills do you feel translate best from the NCAA to the pro game? That's a that's an interesting question. I haven't really, you know, thought about it in terms of like the macro or, you know, ge wide generalization. But, you know, depending on the context shooting usually translates volume and i feel like if you know what to look for in a, in a player and in a shooter even the percentages don't have to be you know high 40s or whatever yeah to be confident in it you look at a guy like isaiah joe i think he shot 29 percent from three his sophomore year at arkansas but the range you know the volume he was taking the confidence 
you know, just his his mechanics, you could kind of tell like this dude is going to shoot the ball a lot better in the future. And his freshman year, I'm pretty sure he was in the 40s or high 30s. So, you know, just combination of all that. And you look at him now, he's one of the better shooters um, around. But it's all it's kind of just context related, depending on the conference, uh, just things like that. Yeah, probably more of an eye test guy, right? Than numbers guy, since you are a film breakdown guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would I would say I lean more to the eye test, but I always look at the numbers to try to tell you know what's might be going on in the background. You know, in some of the draft videos, I use points per possessions, things like that. I don't like to get too far into analytics, you know, into like when we're doing the breakdowns, but I will look at it. Um, I think some of that stuff is interesting. And I know a lot of people who do a, a lot of good work and yeah. try to make, you know, provide a different perspective for the game. So I always appreciate that. But there's sometimes we can start making generalizations about things that aren't actually happening on the court or the numbers might lie or tell you something else. Because basketball isn't all numbers, you know. There's so many different variables. Talking about the team, the situation, the role they're in, you know. And then we just start talking about what sets they're running or areas on the court that they're you're, they're playing in. So there's just a lot that you got to kind of combine the two in whatever way that, you know, works for you. Different guys in the analytic, in the analytic basketball community, they're all different. Like some really focus on the numbers, even though all of them watch the film. But sometimes it gets really, really extreme. And I've always defended analytics guys. Um, but, man, sometimes it gets really extreme. I was talking to an analytics guy out in uh, Summer League, and he was talking about how, like, the floater is basically a low-value shot and you probably should never take it. I'm like, I, when I, when, wait, when I was a player, like, that was one of my favorite shots. Like, I like, honestly, there was times where I like making floaters more than dunking on people. Like, I love the floater. Yeah, I mean, that's just a part of the game. That's where I would counter to that. It's like... Even with the mid-range, you know, I know people always talk about that. I hate talking about, like, because people right. always, there's a, a whole nother side where it's, like, what the numbers are saying is just completely wrong, and that's not always the case. You know, I feel like you can always get better. But right. when we're talking about, like, the floater, there's a specific point in time where that's the shot that you need to take, you know. 100%. You got to be able to make the defense react, especially if you're in the pick and roll. You got to make that big think. And if that big is still dropping back, shoot the floater or, you know, mid-range pull-up. That's a thing that you got to take. You can't all, we can't all just be shooting threes. That's easy to guard. I'm just going to either press up on you and then you got to send you all the way to the basket. So you try to shoot only threes and layups since mid-range is a bad shot um, right. or a floater is a bad shot. So you can't simplify the game that much because there's so much else going on on the court. Right. I'm with you there. I'm with you there. Um, it's interesting. Okay. So it's free throws, layups, and threes. Um, analytics would say that that's the highest value shot and when you're talking about the floater i mean if you have it in your arsenal it probably could get you easy layups because it keeps the defense honest you know for sure you watch guys like trey young absolutely eat off of the floater in a yeah. playoff series against teams that there's that they're the underdog against so um you know there's several other guys who have a great floater yeah um and then if you have to respect it, you could go by and get a layup, you know? For Absolutely. You know, yeah. just add that Hezzy in there. You know, you hey. got a, whole, a, whole, a whole lot of different things that you can put together. But, yeah, that's kind of something that some people kind of look over if they haven't really at least – not that not to say, like, you have to be this big-time basketball player. You had to play, 
you know, professionally, these kind of things to understand this. Um, but if you haven't been around the game in that way or tried to work on your game or played on the team, then in, in any capacity, it, it can be something that's a little bit foreign. And that's why I feel like some analytics people rely on that. But if you have both and you kind of mesh those things together and you're able to explain both of them, then that's where we start getting, you know, the peak of, you know, certain teams and, and, and players. Most definitely. Keandre, what's next for you, man? What have you, what are you working on lately? Yeah. So I think what we're doing now in terms of like content is just, we're going to do some film studies, kind of switch up formats a little bit. I've done someone like LaMelo, Steph, um, KD in the past, just looking at their games um, really closely and, you know, just adding some different information in there. Um, We'll probably do those, obviously some draft stuff for the next class. And then, yeah, just just kind of seeing how we can we can get better. Just talking to different people, bringing back the podcast, bringing different guests on, and all that, those type of things. But yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Most definitely, go subscribe to Hoop Intellect on YouTube. Um, go subscribe to Hoop Intellect wherever you listen to podcasts. Where else can we find you, Keandre? Yeah, so I'm on Twitter at Hoop Intellect with three L's. Okay, Still trying to get that that you know original Hoop Intellect at. Okay. Back to me um, on Instagram, everywhere else, just hooping like two L's. Um, but yeah, on on every podcast platform out there, YouTube, all that. Yeah, I mean, look, if you watch draft content on YouTube, you probably came across Keandre's videos before. But if you're not subscribed, make sure you do. They're really great. I've watched them in the past. I really enjoy them. Keep up the great work, Keandre. And you're always welcome back on the show. Talk soon. I appreciate it, man. Appreciate you for having me on. And definitely, we got to have you on my podcast at some point. So Anytime, anytime. Just let me know. For sure. Talk, talk soon. Thanks, Keandre. Thank you to everyone who listens to Combo's Court across the globe. And big shouts to Keandre for joining in. We appreciate you, Combo Nation. Don't forget to rate, review, and punch down on that subscribe button. Tell a friend to tell a friend about the show. That's right. Share this episode. Share it on Twitter, Facebook. LinkedIn, share it on your IG stories and tag me on Instagram at 12combo. That's O N E T W O C O M B O. You could also catch me on Twitter at Combos Court, C O M B O S C O U R T. Same name as the podcast. Be on the lookout for episode 296. Combo out.